Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fire up those DiGiorno pizzas because Earwolf's Womp It Up is back with new episodes. That's right. Everyone's favorite comedy bang bang intern, Marissa Wampler, and her co-host, Charlotte Listler are throwing on the cans once again. In every episode, Marissa and Listler interview a different colorful character from the world of Marina Del Rey High School and give listeners relationship advice. Their latest guest is the head of the high school newspaper, Mr. Casey Steers. If you haven't listened to Womp It Up before, if you love Comedy Bang Bang, then you're really going to love this. Listen to Womp It Up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher's, Earwolf.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Womp it up, womp it down, get yourself to Womp Town. Welcome to James Bonding. I'm Matt. I am also Matt of the Gorley variety. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm Matt Myra. Uh, joining us today is a special treat for all of you. You, you clamored for him. That's right. I don't know that that's true. One of our most popular episodes of all time. Is it the top? Uh, no, no, that, not that anymore. record is held by James Bladen, I believe. On yes, the, uh, who's going to be on today? He was going now, to. Now, what was his episode? Cold <laughs> opens ranked. Oh, sure. I think I, I oh, angled sure? that because I had a feeling like that one's going to be the <laughs> that's going to be the top one. I want to be in the two top ones, and then they won't be able to distinguish whether it's me or the top. Uh, well, I think we're pretty sure it's the content. So uh, on Andy's episode, we ranked all the songs of James Bond. Uh, I believe that's still available. If not, it's on Stitcher so. Premium. It's Andy Secunda, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. There he is. Be back. Uh, Andy, for those of you uh, who aren't familiar with Andy, he's, uh, he's a wonderful improviser, writer, uh, director, producer, all kinds of things. And he's uh, also my co-host on Star Trek The Next Conversation. By the way, we're in the middle of uh, the second terrible season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, Matt invited me, Matt Meyer invited me uh, to be on, uh, on the Bonding Podcast. And I was so excited. I was going to be like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to take a break from these terrible, terrible Star Trek episodes we're waiting through. To enjoy any of the number of Bond films I love so dearly, and it's Die Another and Day. And we gave you this lemon. <laughs> had you seen this before? I have, yeah. I've seen all of them, but I, I definitely, I think I only saw it once in the theater, and I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, once in the theater is enough. I remember seeing this, I think, in the theater, I'm pretty sure, and just feeling like, how can they charge money for this? 
I other can't than believe they spent so much money. And I can't believe you just said back. you think you saw this. In the I, did, I did, I did, because I know that Tomorrow Never Dies is the only one I haven't seen in the theater since well, I started going to the theater. Matt, I know, I know how much you love it, so I've tracked down a thirty-five millimeter print and I'm renting out a theater. <laughs> that I would do. I, I would. I think you're presenting it right now. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Uh, if I'm making noise, I apologize. That's all right. That will happen a lot. This is going to be the downside of me having a, a mic stand. I'll play with it the entire time. <laughs> so this is Pierce Brosnan's last foray into the Bond films. And this is the uh, second to last one we're going to cover this this go-round. Second to last Brosnan. Second to last. Well, if we still have to do World is Not Enough, yeah. which is in the middle of Tomorrow Never Dies and Diner of the Day. And uh, I, I, I just have to say... I feel for Pierce Brosnan throughout this movie. Hmm. The fact that he's in it. Well, I feel for everyone in this movie, specifically Judy Dench and Rosamund Pike, who are still turning in really worthy performances that feel out of sync with this movie. Yes. Judy Dench especially. It's astonishing how she escapes the the terribleness of this film. Did she rewrite her own dialogue? Because it really it's literally the only way. scene that doesn't have pun answered by pun by metaphor by pun, and like I, I'm not going to say that. So you can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> when you say action, I, I, I think will I've got speak, it. but it won't be the pablum written on this page. I did some research about the relationship of Britain to uh, North Korea, and I'm going to. Uh, incorporate some of those details. Something <laughs> inches closer than what you have here on the page. <laughs> oh this God. movie, uh, you know, I always... I'm, here's what I'd like to say off the bat. This movie always gets a bad rap for the invisible Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. And that is the least of its problems. I agree with that. <laughs> or you, you may be generous. It is among the many problems. No, but I feel like... What everyone always says is like, ugh, I have an invisible car. That's when I was out. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. sort of the thing everyone points right. to in this yeah, movie. That's true. Like, yeah. When you in reality. You saw a lot of stuff to, to uh, step off the boat <laughs> yeah. before you got to the car. Yeah. Step off the surfboard. Surfboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Surfboard with the weapons hidden in it. The thing I do like about this movie, though, I'm is sorry. that every time I see it, I am still somehow surprised at how bad it is. Like, it, it is that never... Is how many times have you seen it? Oh, I don't know. I've probably... Maybe seen this one like ten times, maybe. Really? Well, just you know, like you got it. It's on. There's, you, you, I can't count how many can't. times in my life. Well, probably ten, where I went. Let's go through the Bond films again. You know, whatever. Yeah. With friends. Yeah. Or, you know. And, and then uh, sometimes you watch this one just because I've seen the other ones so many times. Here's one that I haven't seen as much. Right. But I still, I still, I'm sorry. This is controversial. Would put it above, like that. Tomorrow never dies, just because it is surprising at how bad you're, it is. It at least that, surprises. You are, you are crazy. Tomorrow I'm Never not Dies crazy. is the Michelle Yao one? Yeah. And because there's like, it has, it's so bonkers. This movie's horrible, but at least it's like, whoa, I, I can't believe what I'm is hearing. going on? And I don't mean and to which one is attack the one, you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> which one is the one with the remote-controlled car? That's Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never Dies. Dies. Yeah. That is... I, I feel like to me that's more offensive than the invisible car because it's the uh, only purpose well, is this we car sit in the back. Seat. I'm sorry, <laughs> exactly. Hang See, on, this is at least a cartoon. Hang on, yeah. This car he controls with the key fob by pointing a laser at it and moving it. Yeah. As he wants. So that is not weird to you guys. You guys are okay yeah, with that? No, it's weird. It's oh, just yeah. this movie. This movie actually 
is is a hundred percent a satire of James Bond movies. Imagine if you put, even if you put Mike Myers in the role of Bond, the way they all speak. the The secondary henchman is Mister Kill. The woman is named Mrs. Frost. Like they're just—it's uh-huh. so on the nose that it's a—it's totally a satire. I'm not saying that's what they're intending, but if you put different actors in this role, they would go like, "Oh, look at this send-up of a Bond film. It's so bad." I was curious about you guys' take on that in terms of. Uh, there's no question that this is a terrible, terrible film, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into all the details. But the are things like the names and the bad choices, like isn't aren't a lot of those things sort of basics of Bond? Films? Yeah, well, they are so it's a, it's, distilled. It's, yeah, and it's also such a it's a lazy effort. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's yeah. a um, it's a kitchen sink effort right where they're just like well how about this well that's another this? thing i can't figure out was this were purvis and wade under directive to go like take it a step farther or were they trying to get themselves fired i don't know <laughs> well, when you look at the early when you look at the early story drafts so on this lazy. when you look at the early story yeah. drafts on this it's much better what what is it um you read the early stories guys i'm gonna pull out the notes <sighs> oh boy here we're back at the james bond archives that's right. <clears throat> this is a, uh, a book, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say, those are notes. You're lying to them. <laughs> These are this this memo is dated notes on XX meeting. So this is Bond twenty. It's the twentieth film. This is from June fifth, two thousand one. Okay. All right. That's right. Because this came out on the fortieth anniversary. I right. Think. Yeah. Big. Well. So this is what they've they've already looked at a uh, at a draft, and this is a discussion. Between the the writers and the producers. Number one, we need more of an explanation as to how someone as fantastic as James Bond is kept in a prison for three years. Possibly show him in vir- uh, virtually a t- box for 24 hours a day. Sensory deprivation. Show him being brainwashed. Shades of Harry Palmer. Show mm. it being a Spandau prison-like setup. Bond, the only prisoner. Here's what's, here's what's where it Spandau. starts. I don't know. That is Spandau Prison in is it Germany? Spandau Ballet. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Here's where it gets interesting. Number two, Wade is waiting with Falco when Bond returns. Who's Falco. Falco is Mark, Mike, uh, Mike Michael uh, Madsen. Mike Madsen's character. Mike Madsen. Have we seen him before? No, no. Because uh, it's it's treated as though we have seen him I before. Know. Yeah. <laughs> See him damned by Wade. There was a suggestion that Falco is taking over for Wade. More explanation as to how Bond can slow his heart. It can be yeah, done that could visually. Oh, that sequence. I'm sorry. He uses traumatic memories that would raise your heart rate to lower his heart rate. Like they show the montage of what he's thinking about, and they're all things that would make I you. I didn't even put tense. together that that's what was happening. I thought he was just under. Are we sure that he's doing that intentionally? Yes. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, and it moronic. says, could it be? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I thought it was just he had stress and then he happened to luck out. No, yeah. no, no. He slowed his heart down. And then it says, could it be mentioned by M in the first scene, i.e., how did you just survive type of thing? And he could talk about his slowing heart rate. Number four, M comments humorously on Bond's genitalia post medical. Wait, that's something that's in the script notes. This that's is in all, the notes. That, that like, we need that, or that this I don't know. Would have been like, no, <laughs> not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> the North Korea freelancers who attack in the elevator were sent by General Moon. 
Okay, so these are notes on an existing draft. Yeah. Then. Okay. Uh, why is Zhao at the clinic when Jinx hits it? He was there to for the change. Jinx was only there to kill the doctor and take records and diamonds, i.e. cover Graves' tracks. So in this version, she Jinx... Frost? No, Jinx is working with under Falco who is the person that is leaking to graves. So in this movie oh. there is there is no frost in this version. Okay, Falco's the Falco is the mole. Agent. I right. wonder if Jinx is in on it or doesn't realize she, she doesn't realize it. Yeah, I don't think so. Did you know did, I can tell you why. Jinx is there to deliver the diamond. She's an unwitting tool of Falco, the stooge. She is a double O mopper upper. She has her suspicions that all is not right as early as Iceland? Question mark, question mark. Falco is possibly after Bond. Is the CIA monitoring equipment that spies him in Antwerp? Falco is with M in the underground station? Question mark. Bond never releases the tension of believing he did release names. This can be dealt with in a Falco or Jinx scene. That I kind of like. Where he's not quite sure. Did he leak the information, you know, because he was so beaten and tortured for X amount of time? You know, when I said this was better beforehand, <laughs> I take that back. I apologize to everyone listening. This also <laughs> seems like garbage. It is. What the fuck were they thinking? This think... movie is crazy. So this is the 20th Bond movie. This was like, let's do a big Bond. It's a new millennium of Bond. Let's uh, let's welcome him into the 21st century, and uh, it, you know I think that I think in that sense they were trying to throw everything in they could. Yeah, you're right, especially signified by all the gadgets in the background of Q's lair, and they they really are like let's do every Bond trope, every big thing, and then notch it up a bunch. But man, but from a an homage perspective? Or I think it was a, a little perspective. No, or what? I, th- I think they were trying to homage a little bit. Homage and. Uh, heighten i guess like just celebrate they were definitely they they obviously are conscious that they're going big with this one obviously but yeah i don't think they realize how i think they know they're doing camp but i don't think they know how flat it falls you know it's I, just the tone of this movie this is post 9 okay. 11 and i think we should uh, it is but they were working on a pre 9 11 i think we should discuss the fact that this is because right off the bat in the opening scene when they're surfing into North Korea. <laughs> that's the that's theoretically when they're writing the script, that's the first choice they made. That's the first thing they sat down and they went, "Let's get him surfing." Maybe they maybe it was sort of like, you know, you do your vomit draft. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. all right, we're obviously not going to leave it. <laughs> With you guys just oh, geez, surfing in North Korea. You know, it's funny you say that. It's funny <laughs> oh, you guys really? should say that. Because the last note on this is, uh, the pre-titles do not yet deliver the requisite action stunt quota. And maybe the capture of Bond is not yet right. However, this has not been a priority. Oh, that well, reads that way on The great part, at some point someone went, let's get him surfing, and then do it again later in the film. Well, you have to set up that he does have surfing capabilities. Right, but they don't. I'm kidding. I know that's the other thing is I, you know, I can take a little bit of the bond, can do everything, and knows everything. But uh-huh. 
At what circumstance did Bond growing up in England and Switzerland really get get a <laughs> chance to surf? It had to come later in life. So he's just it is somewhere what is on, your you guys perspective on it's it's interesting over the span of all the Bond films when he does run into something that's like he you know by the end of the sequence when he's facing a villain I don't I know never say never never again isn't canon but like he doesn't know how to play the video game and then by the end he yeah. knows how to play the video game do you, like what's you guys perspective I'm on okay how with they like yeah when he's a, like a good adapter I'm okay but right. I hate when he goes into right. everything an expert well to yeah. that point Andy good point if if this if that video game shock device was in this movie right. Pierce Brosnan's James Bond would be the best player yeah, in the world out of immediately. The yeah, right. yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Like, he's already, like, the world's greatest sword fighter. Yeah. That, yeah, okay, I guess <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that scene. But, uh, but like, the, the thing that is the most unsatisfying about the surf sequence is there that nothing happens. <laughs> no. It's, it's just a mode of transportation. It, it literally I said is. this, I think, last time. They would have been better served just scuba diving in. Yeah, yeah, because it, then at least it's like, oh yeah, it's another. Oh good, it's a, it's James Bond scuba diving. We've seen him do that. Yeah, it is literally a uh, a confusing situation, and it it's the so dark. This is this. I'm gonna say it right now. This is the worst looking James Bond oh, movie. So one hundred percent. Yeah, it's either garish right. or bland. Yeah, I will. I also say, and I looked up the budget just to see, which, and the budget is about you know on par with the other budgets it looks like every scene is just we have this room can he walk around this room and talk to some people now we have this room yeah can he walk around this room well, yeah also, it is now we really have poorly a terrible lit. cg blue screen exterior. that's the thing right. i i am not entirely sure how much of that blue screen is blue screen and i think that a lot of it is this color correcting yeah, that, that lee tamari was doing because like the t- the color correcting and the speed ramp that he does throughout the film is such a this is exactly when I was in college and this is exactly when I was editing this is exactly when I was learning how to use all the software mm. and everything he does in this is stuff that the shitty students in class would do <laughs> yeah because you could because, because final cut Matrix, pro yeah. 3 finally had a color saturation filter that you could use and do this mm. weird thing where if you went too far with it right it would look like everyone was in front of a green screen when in actuality you had actually shot outside in massachusetts it was it, this and i watched the uh, I, I think I've watched the behind-the-scenes doc on, on this DVD, and boy, Lee, he is just, he is delighted by these 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 things, especially the speed ramping, and especially during the uh, car chase at the end of the movie. But it is so laughable. Also, like, here's another question for you. The credit sequence where you're, they're showing Bond's torture. Yes. It, it, it seems... It's interesting to me. It is a little bland, but it is interesting to me that they're also trying to pack story into that. Yeah, we've talked about this, that it is an anomaly that they do that. You get that a little bit in On Her Majesty's Secret Service where they're recapping, but never quite moving the story forward like this. Yeah, This is... Um, well, I don't know if you want to go up to him being captured. We can't, the well, beauty of this show is that uh, we've all seen it, and the right. listeners have seen it, so go to where you need to go. I... The... 
the, him being captured, I re- this because it really struck me, and it was one of the things that I re- was in my memory. And I don't remember if this was the this was the film or not. Has he? This is the first time in Bond history he's been captured and held that long, right? Held that long, yes. Yeah. Um, well, every other time he's captured to the to the point of the the note. Were those notes from the producers? I believe so. Yeah. Which were, I think, valid notes. Yeah. He's Bond always he escapes. escapes. Right. He always figures out a way out, and they don't explain why he doesn't figure out a way out. But more than that, is, they do a little. They say they kept oh, the him on Scorp- Scorpion, Scorpion, Venom, and then Venom, kept reviving, which is him. brought up and then never brought up again. So then, then my que- goes my second question, which is, e- even as a child, I was watching it and going, "Well, why is he? How do how do they not break him? Oh, you can't break Bond for eighteen months? Yeah, I know." I don't buy that without no. some explanation. No, they're just. Make, I, I don't buy that you were a child in 2001. Well, if I was in college, oh no, yeah, that was. It's really like <laughs> was old, I was old there's two categories of Bond films, and then they have a spectrum within, and that is actual man and Superman, and right. this is the epitome, extreme end of the Superman Bond, where he's just, it's just he's he might as well be a superhero. But then the this. fun of the Superman Bond mm-hmm. is. Like and say Connery or Roger Moore, yeah, is that they're having fun, right? And with exactly. Connery, it's a little darker, yeah. and with Roger Moore, it's a little campier. But it's like I'm, I'm so confident I'm not going to get hurt and everything's going to be okay that I'm enjoying it, and you yeah. get none of that. No, because Brosnan's, Brosnan's still playing it like he's really. I mean, in some way, my hat's off to him. Like he is yeah. playing the stakes of yeah. the situation. He's trying, but yeah. it doesn't fit with the film. Listen, yeah. as an actor, he's he's dealing with a situation where. He is having to play a character, like, and you know, for for all of uh, the Pierce Brosnan back and forth we do here on the show, I think genuinely we we enjoy him as a as a as a, he's a great screen presence, and mm-hmm. but he is to his credit, he is trying to act based on what the material they've given him, and the material they've given him is. It's a caricature. It's not yeah. a character. Yeah. Especially in this film. Nobody's a character in this And he's film. also trying to be a guy who's been tortured for 18 months and has been abandoned by everything he knew. And then... And, like, he's try- they, he's layering that... Are they playing ...in his performance. He is. Well, he is, and he then is. it he immediately is. falls into the he dumbest is. movie, and so it's so at odds. It's crazy. Yeah. I actually like some of the middle stuff or the earlier stuff where he goes to the hotel. That's great. Movie. That feels like Bond. I like the idea of... Him being captured, tortured, being traumatized by it in a way we haven't seen Bond do it. But it's not addressed or layered into the film. Casino Royale does it and they do it. It's one of the best moments in a Bond character development and history. And I I love it. That hotel sequence in this film is kind of like where all the dark stuff in the beginning is giving way to the really stupid lighter stuff, but it's like that crossover moment that actually everything kind of blends kind of nicely. Like yes, the tone but seems to work on the nose when that, when as soon as you hear London calling this movie, Oh yeah. But I'm just talking about that. Just like goes. just where he throws what the ashtray at the mirror. And you know, that feels like the, the, the heightened, the, campy spy level stuff that works you know and he knows that guy from chinese intelligence and he's getting his tailor there and it just kind of works i mean relative i'm talking about in this film this is this is the high point for me 
I don't. I that that was another scene to me that felt like it just felt like a terrible set. Like it was just oh, like yeah. a tiny low budget set. I think like, the well, lighting. How about if he breaks the mirror? That will be kind of yeah. interesting. And it's just like so nothing. highly lit. It's so so lit and oh gosh. That speed ramping, I can't believe and they, they can't set it up. Say- they set it up for like a few minutes with all the bullshit espionage talk. Like to like speaking in coded stuff at the at the concierge desk or whatever it is. Then they go into the room and they have the girl come in and that takes a while. And then he throws the thing. I don't. In the there's room. no coded espionage stuff in that scene. Isn't when he goes and talks to the manager? There's a little bit of no. I think that that's being played as again. that's being played just as James Bond is a frequent guest of that hotel and but has an he unlimited knows credit. He's a, Bond, well, he doesn't. Bond oh, knows that he is, but that guy doesn't know. That guy doesn't know that Bond oh, knows that I he see. is. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I can't believe with that speed ramping stuff, the way they shoot it, that they can't even at the time have the foresight to see like this. This is not going to be around forever. Why would we put this in a Bond film? It's supposed to be timeless. This is the only one. This is... and then it makes me think: Is Spectre going to feel that way on that that handheld shot in the beginning? Because that actually is kind of a... for sure. Yeah, I, but I, I, it's not as egregious as that. You know, all these movies right sort of date themselves in in various ways, but this is by far. We're now seventeen years out from this movie. Fifteen years out from this movie, <laughs> it feels more dated than this the, is yeah. by far the most egregious. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's pretty... And I was going to read this quote from uh, Lee Tamarai. Is it Tamahori? I always have heard him say Tamarai. Oh, Oh, okay. We had to watch his film in college, The Once Were Warriors. Once Were Warriors, yeah. Um, And that's how they all pronounced it. Okay. So, I don't know. Which is a great great tiny film in New Zealand about the natives and like... I'm going to look up what he's done since. He didn't go right from that to this. I feel like he might have... Um, here's what he says. I was given a script like a secret agent for your eyes only. It said on the cover, the first page read three men in night vision goggles with body armor and camouflage suits surf in and on the largest waves in the world to the Korean coast. I thought, God, this is fantastic. I've got to make this movie. Oh, jeez! Not the first reaction you should have from reading <laughs> no. that. Here, here are his credits. I read it and went, what? <laughs> 2016, The Patriarch, never heard of it. The Devil's Double. double. The first film I've heard of is 2007, Next, that um, that Nicholas Cage Cage movie where you can see the next 10 minutes or something like that. Triple X, State of the Union, (laughs) Dying Every Day. He did Along Came a Spider as well and an episode of The Sopranos. Oh, he did The Edge and Mulholland Falls. Oh, Oh. Jennifer Connelly's very pretty in that. (laughs) In the edge. I remember. I remember thinking, like, why did Jennifer Connelly do this? Bro? <laughs> okay, we get it, Andy. We get it, Andy. On what Jennifer Connelly um, was, should be doing was capable of what parts she was capable of getting and not getting at that point in her career. <laughs> well, let's talk about this opening sequence. The oh, so there's a that's this is the first time that a bullet goes into the thing, right? Into the barrel. Yes. Yes. Oh, I forgot that this movie got shut down too, it because did? of an injury. Who's who's injury? Pierce Brosnan. What happened? Uh, Are we seeing some actual hurt acting and not acting? Is the actually... following day, the crew were in London uh, in a house in Stoke Newington, shooting the scene in Havana where Bond meets uh, whoever the hell that is, played by Mexican actor Emilio Echeverria. 
That afternoon, Bond requested a doctor. Brosnan requested a doctor to attend to set after developing pain in his knee following a stunt a few days earlier. It's a physical film, and you put yourself in the action as much as possible. The knee went. Why? Because I didn't stretch. It's as simple as that. I was running away from all the Koreans, <laughs> hopping onto a hovercraft, thinking I didn't need to stretch, and pounded the old knee out. Brosnan was sent to Princess Grace Hospital in London for an assessment. Uh... And then he had to fly back to see a specialist in, in the UK, in, uh, in America. By the way, I don't know if this is, uh, it, if the subtitling was racist or not, but I, I usually keep subtitles on. And it said, when the guards are coming up on the beach, it said, chattering in Korean. <laughs> As I'm if, like, like whatever, it's not important. Yeah, it's just babbling in Korean. foreigners oh are saying. Oh, my God. Who cares? <laughs> Okay, yeah, the cold open is, uh, listen, it's very Bondy as far as the taking over the guy's identity, trying to blow up some people. He's, he's got the exact same clothes as that. I was guy. just going to say, is that, that's not necessary. They don't know what the guy's dressed in. No, right? but it did. It, it, and then he takes his sunglasses like, they, ah, the final touch. They either, like, reconned this guy that morning as he was getting dressed and then somehow were able to have the resources to go get me that exact outfit <laughs> or did they plant it on him did, like that's maybe he thing. always wears that outfit like einstein he always I go, maybe yeah, yeah. to save space in his brain and wh- is there a reason why colonel moon has all of his sports cars there or other than i just think he just- lives at that palace right so I just assume they're there. I sort of oh. interpret them as more stolen kind of corrupt goods to show how how capitalistic he was, even though he was. Or are they hiding them with the, the weapons in the demilitarized zone or something? I don't know. That wait, that's a palace. I thought it was just kind of like a bunker. Yeah, it seemed kind of crappy. Along with other thing else, it was North else. Korea. What are you going to do? And let me ask you this: so he puts the. He puts in the C4, and then he yeah. puts the diamonds on top yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is his plan? What is he trying to do? Oh, I think he's just trying to blow them up, right? He's trying yeah, to kill Moon? Yeah. yeah. Why doesn't he just kill Moon, then? He has I, think he's gonna get the, I think he's going to get the diamonds uh-huh. to them, uh-huh. exchange whatever the hell needs to be exchanged, get back on that helicopter... And then blow yeah, it up. Is he there when to he's bust when he the diamond deal, or to try to get the like weapons? Because the explosion is very small. Yeah, yeah, it's not nearly big enough for what it should. It's just be. big enough to insert diamonds into someone's face. <laughs> exactly, it's intended purpose. Yeah, it's more of a distraction. Yeah. I do. I will say, I do like. I do like Bond getting out of that. Yeah, I, I do like him like looking around, like clocking everything. Yeah, and then deciding when to blow the diamonds, when yeah, to take the hell. It's know. just the the hovercraft chase after it that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, you just have to. You're, you're left with not many crafts that we haven't seen a chase in. Right, when you're dealing with a James Bond movie. They got I to mean, all of them. In we've this been one. to space, ice sailing, surfing, and hovercraft. But I guess this is what confuses me about the budget being equitable because it kind of like in watching it, I was like, oh, they must have decided that. Brosnan wasn't as profitable, which wasn't accurate. Yeah, and this was a were just, big money. They huge movie, them huge less. movie for them. Yeah, they gave them they gave this money less money, which isn't accurate. Yeah. So if you compare this to the Golden Eye opening, that's the one with the big the plane him yeah. dropping out. It was yeah. just amazing. I know. Yeah, I but know. it was a very small plane. Uh, yes. <laughs> we can only afford a small plane, but not the- like the giant plane in this movie. <laughs> Um, but like uh. he, 
<laughs> he drives the hovercraft. They sort of drive through a forest. There's a little bit of fighting on a thing. They're driving yeah. through a minefield. It's not a forest. It's a minefield, guys. Uh-huh. And that's why James Bond can use his Uzi to blow up mines. Uh, I couldn't help notice the irony when, when Colonel Moon's talking about, like, I, I majored in Western hypocrisy. And his whole basic thing is, like, you, West, you're so decadent. But that's exactly what this movie is. Like, it's the worst <laughs> sins of, of Western it's decadence. It's, there's no substance. It's all form. It is such it's, a it's such a movie from 2002. It's yeah. not even funny. It's yeah. more 2002 than 2002 was. I know, it's but funny. you know, like if you were 2002, because I do associate it with the 90s. But the problem with the early 2000s is that we're desperately clawing onto the 90s, which yeah. was a terrible time in film. Right. If you were asked me to explain 2002 to you, I couldn't do it. But then watching this movie, I would just show someone this and <laughs> yeah. go here. It. It still doesn't feel like it has an identity, but somehow that identity s- sort of shoots through as horrible. I don't know. It's uh, The Diamond Guy, by the way, in keeping with the time period, was from Fast and the Furious. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. When uh, was that first movie? I think that was a, a year before, a couple of years after. Ricky Yoon. Let's find out. He's from the first movie, right? He's the right. bad guy in the first one. He drives the Honda S2000. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Boy, I remember that movie too well. 2001, yeah. So it was the year before, and he was the villain. I, I think Ricky Yoon does a great job. I think he's... I Ricky Yoon yeah, does do a great good. job. Yeah, he's, he's good. Great. He's a good... And he's uh, a good-looking villain. Yeah. I did good have a question henchman. about henchmen and also, and what you guys' perspective is over the span of henchmen. He's yeah. got diamonds in his face. Yep. Then he doesn't get to finish Big his, criteria. Yeah. His his gene he's therapy. Like that's why his fourth blue step. Eyes. Yeah. Well, they've right. Turned, yeah. But also, like, why does he stay bald? Is that I, know, I think that's part of the head, gene therapy. I think that's part of. The, they were going to make him bald. Well, you see the transition. Yeah. Faces he's right. Be turned into a German guy. But like, oh, was he just the step before they removed the diamonds from his face? I know we've talked about this. <laughs> you'd think that'd be first because <laughs> you probably need some healing time. Right? <laughs> All right. First thing we got to do is we're going to get these diamonds out your face. <laughs> Wait, why what? are you in Cuba? I don't know. I'm just working at this clinic. Why couldn't he be another guy with diamonds in his face? The other thing, the, so, the most disappointing... Okay, there's a lot of disappointing visual aspects of this movie, but I think number one for me is that all of the snow looks fake. Yeah. And, and the ice, too. Is that's, so, that's it's not even glass. Here's, the, here's, the, here's yeah. the, the, glaring, the glaring set things that like sort of stuck out for me, okay? The... Um, the num- number one for me is how much of a set the set looked like for the courtyard sword fight. Totally. The lighting oh, yeah. was It is the lighting. Atrocious. I, think, I think it has to be the lighting because I, I bet you the other sets look that shitty, but if you light it well. I think you may be right. It's so bright and yeah. Orly has a background in scenic design, so he's right. right now. Oh, I guess he's the expert now, Andy. You don't know, Myra. You don't know nothing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Gorley's doing a victory dance right now. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. The sets, the sets are terrible. And then I'm jumping ahead to the to the ice castle. But even thinking about the ice castle, it looks small and purposeless in the wide shots, and then in the close shots when they're kind of going around it and doing stuff, it seems tiny, even yeah. though you're just deciding what the scale is every time you build another shot. Right. Yeah. Why would they make it that way? I don't know. There's. I, I actually was watching this trying to go, like, let me find some good in this film in some way. And the best I could do was obviously Judy Dench and um, Ricky Yoon is good and, 
And oh, so my question about uh, that character. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Finish your point. Well, I just wanted to say that the score is pretty bombastic, but it's still really good. And I still really miss David Arnold because he puts some yeah. real Barry stuff in here. Jinx's intro has such a melodic, sweeping kind of orchestral thing that I really wish they'd bring him back. I, David G. Arnold, a big fan of some of your work. This is garbage. This movie, but, but there's it's so much to the movie, and it's very. I thought it was pretty good. You didn't like it. This no, garbage, which did the previous theme. <laughs> that was <laughs> Jess Shirley Manson. This is as good as garbage. that was Jess Shirley Manson. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually it was audibly uh, annoying to me the music. Mm. Like I, well, I mean, it certainly matches the level. Yeah, of the film, for sure. It had to. I you couldn't. I don't think you could do a subtle score with this film. It would seem. But like, it's also so. Again, so of the time, the score is like so of the oh, like. See, I thought they would go like heavy Moby or back to something like you know, a little bit more techno. Now he puts elements of that into his score, but there's still a lot of orchestral stuff, horns and. Yeah, maybe it's just the Moby-ish yeah. stuff that I'm hearing and that that is like sticking out of my brain because it really is like the. Um, Ice Palace stuff, particularly yeah. the party stuff. It's like really like it's it's just it it really kills my brain. Was there a Russian production on this one? Because or in post on this one? Because that's what like the Clash sound drop and stuff like that feels like. Is like just put this in. Oh, we'll, a rush and then we'll in. Oh, not a Russian. I, yeah, I, I thought you said Russian. Was there a Russian second <laughs> union? Did the Russian <laughs> sabotage this film? <laughs> <laughs> we prove collusion between this film and the Kremlin. We might be able to. <laughs> uh, just because it felt like they had all this stuff in it, and the sound, the Maybe. music stuff that you're talking about, I think falls into it, where it's just like, eh, this will do for now, and then we'll fix it, and then they didn't have time or something. Yeah, it could be. Stitcher Premium has a new series from award-winning British comedian Josie Long. Oh, Josie. I love Josie. It's called All the Planet's Wonders Shown in Detail. Through this original scripted alt-comedy series, Josie Long will attempt to better herself and get out into the world with help from Maeve Higgins and a host of other comedy pals. Also featuring Earwolf favorites like Aaron Whitehead, Hayes Davenport, Zach Rhino, and John Hodgman. And British comics Humphrey Kerr, John Luke Roberts, and the illusionist podcasts Helen Zaltzman. Gain fantastic insights about topics including exploration, insects, and fossils. Travel with Josie and Maeve to the bottom of the ocean in James Cameron's submarine and find out why Josie's dated so many men with a love of rocks. <laughs> Give it a listen and make Josie Long your new favorite international comedian. For a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, use the promo code BOND at stitcherpremium.com slash planets. Ooh. Did Brosnan? Um, I did a little bit of looking up on it, but I didn't yeah. get clarity. Did he? Was he like done with it, or were they done with? They him, were done with him. Was it a financial? He decision? wanted to do more, and they said no because why? They wanted to move in a different direction. I think maybe they had they had recognized their missteps. But we've often heard that that Broccoli and Wilson trade off helming these films. Is that right? I wonder if that's real. I have. I don't ever remember hearing that. Yeah, I heard that. Is this something you heard in some sort of club you're meeting at without me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, in the Blades Literary James Bond Club. I have a secret (laughs) podcast where we don't even broadcast. We set up mics and don't record. It's pure art. 
Have you ever Could done you that? Do that? Have you ever done a oh, podcast sure. that wasn't yeah. recording? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. isn't that the worst That's feeling awful. in the world? That's awful. Hey yeah. guys, if you if we did a podcast and we only released it to like people who paid a thousand dollars, like the Wu Chang Clan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we well, uh, would get Mark Andy, you're just it. describing Patreon. <laughs> Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, you can tier it at levels. We can set it at $100 a month, and then they can get a free episode. I'm interested yeah. in that. Let's come up with a concept. All right, Andy, you're our first Patreon supporter. Thanks, buddy. What? No! That's oh, what you said. You're interested in it. Oh, interested yeah. in it. Man, I'm going to do an I episode just for a, you. I want to be paid to not <laughs> no. do much. Not pay much. Pay a lot to hear nothing. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, I just can't really come to terms with everything in this movie and it's, it's hard. hard it's really it's hard, hard for me too because i love pierce brosnan and i you know that that's my my teen years were mm-hmm. the brosnan years is he your your guy is craig right yeah and and who's your guy myra well craig's the i can't argue with craig oh, we craig both really yeah. like yeah. more and Moore Connery too. I so like fun, Connery, and, and Connery's yeah. the like, and Dalton. I like I like all of them. You guys are spread spreading it thin over all the bonds there. <laughs> the, the thing that is the worst about this film, other than in it's the worst film in many ways, but the dialogue is the worst of any Bond film, hands down. Well, this it's is the thing so I was bad. gonna. This is why I was confused, and I understand now that I missed information because I thought that first conversation seemed it wasn't an espionage conversation with the the hotel manager, but it felt like it. And then because of how disjointed the dialogue, how disjointed was. the dialogue was, and then the next the when next he, big sequence is when he talks to the Cuban guy. Is that? That's that, espionage. That's yeah. espionage. Like, okay, make sure we're both on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And then the next thing, he's is a when sleeper he talks... cell. I love that. Huh? I love that. I love the Cuban arrival. I love that scene. The delictados. Yeah. What uh, aspect of it? Uh, I liked that this guy is a sleeper agent mm-hmm. who has been in Cuba operating now for thirty. Well, let's just guess forty years, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he has been going about his life. Has not been activated in 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 decades, uh-huh. and James Bond comes in, knows exactly what to say to him, and then there the sleeper the sleeper agent is activated. So it just has the history yeah. of something. So, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's accurate. But anyway, my point is then the next thing is when when Halle Berry comes out of the water, and I feel like they have a conversation that sounds a little. It bit does sound so jilted, talk, and because I was completely it's because confused. they're doing they're not speaking like humans. They're speaking in. Double entendre, that response to double entendre, that's so bad that it sounds like a spy code. It makes yeah. like, no sense. They're Do you love about... the, the woman? The woman is my friend. <laughs> exactly. Let's continue. You there know. are many predators around. The predators come out at night. Yes. And, like, this, and then I'm like, oh, they know each other. Or she's an, she's an agent that no, they has some it's association. It's bad double entendre. And that's then it. they You're sleep giving together too much so credit. fast. And, you know, Bond will That I like because... If they're, if they're trying to set up Jinx as the female equivalent of James Bond, uh-huh. then I believe that those two go to bed oh, that yeah, quickly. But I don't, I agree with that. But the problem I have with it is, what does he think is going on? It, it, he's just thinking, well, I'm James Bond, so she's going to want to sleep with me? Because I feel like yes. it's an interesting question. Which is the whole How process. you ground it. Like, you know that everyone wants to sleep with James Bond. But this felt like, oh, something else is going on. Because there's no logical... Nothing has transpired that convinces me that those two people would want to sleep with each other, other than if if they're both agents or if they have a prior history or something. There's no chemistry and nothing they've said makes any sense. 
So there's no logical something else going on. And then he wakes up and she's gone. And I'm like, but they're oh, just, they they didn't know each it other. Faith that that American audiences or global audiences, I guess, take a look at two beautiful people on a screen and go, well, they absolutely are going. It's a ticking time bomb before they sleep together. But if that's the truth, and maybe this is the true truth with really super attractive people, they can just go up and go. Gobbledygook, gobbledygook. <laughs> yes, I agree. Bloopity blue, bloopity blue. All right, you want to go have sex? Yes. They literally, like when ugly people aren't around, they just talk to each other. <laughs> in in absolute words. gibberish. Yes. Chattering Korean. Right, what, we both know where this is going to end up. What's the point of even saying words bar, to bar, each bar, other? Bar, bar, bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. Keepler. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, I see even when they're having sex, when she pulls out, what is it, a pomegranate and starts cutting it? That yeah. is the same kind of nonsensical, like, well, we're both so hot, it doesn't matter what I do here. I know. Yeah. It's, oh, my God. Maybe this movie's more true than any of us care to realize. It could be. Oh, they're pulling down the, pulling up the curtain. <laughs> I have um, a question to pose do. to you, gentlemen, yeah. about the James Bonds. Now, uh, in this movie, when they get to the fencing scene. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't believe that Pierce Brosnan can beat this guy. It's it's in the execution. It's in a bit of the age difference, unfortunately. But there's just it's just the first time I'm watching Brosnan where I'm like, there's no way this guy can't beat Bond. I agree with. But this. what I liked about that, oh no, keep going. Well, just I think every Bond also the based, stunt doubling is yeah. preposterous. Every in particular every Bond actor has that moment in their run where. You go like it's just not believable anymore. Where Bond can beat these younger villains. So who who is it for? When was it for Connery? When was it for Moore? It might not happen for Lazenby or Dalton. Oh, right. I mean, Moore right. definitely had it in Octopussy. There's everything he does, and that looks like. But I might Come even on. go earlier, like the yeah. hockey sequence in For Your Eyes Only. Totally. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. And is there any before You're saying that? in terms of skill or age? I would step just it back. Whatever. Step like it it's back just to Moonraker. Shot. Step it back to Moonraker. Which scene? It's it's when he's fighting the guy in the glass factory. Yeah. There's like, no, you're just the lumbering that, yeah. that Moore is doing in that scene. It's just like, ah, I don't, I'm not buying this anymore. There are moments in Spy Who Loved Me where I feel like he's still kind of holding his own. Yes. Yeah. It's and probably if you go back there. to Connery, it, for me with Connery, it, it's, it's by virtue of the fact that he's training with ninjas, it's you only live yeah. twice. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I don't well, buy that any is, of this. You know, that's why I like so much. When you see Bond, like, uh, I mean, I guess the, the quintessential uh, version is uh, when he's fighting Odd Job, is just like he knows he can't win this. Yeah, he he's, has to get He's got to figure out a different yeah, way I to like win that too. this. Yeah. And, and with Jaws and most face face offs with Jaws, it's like the, he's too powerful. Yeah, they're playing that. And that kind of ties back to my question about uh, Zhao. Is that his name? Yeah. Ricky Yoon or Moon? Ricky, Graves. Ricky Yoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is he's got the diamonds in his face, he's got the blue eyes. What else is threatening about him? And I feel like that was a pattern after maybe Jaws. You guys, please correct me. Like, none of the henchmen seem like well, they just give him the physical, the physical character. It's the same thing as, as Jinx and Bond being beautiful. You just take it for granted. It's all shorthand at this point. Right. And that's why it's not working anymore. But has Craig had his moment where he doesn't seem. Believable. He's definitely better, and physically he's more suited. But there is that moment when they're escaping from Blofeld's lair, 
inspector where it does feel like he's just not, i think that's post acl i honestly got it, it. i think be. that's right after the acl tour and that's like his first day on set that's my honest my guess but they do do the thing when he's fighting hinks in that train like the jaws thing where he's just kind of like looking at him like oh my god i gotta he's just kind of fighting and oh when he's being turned around first. when he's being carried yeah. when he's being held by I batista like i like to play that up so i like I think that too I think Craig is still hanging in there. We'll see him in the next. It's one. really interesting to me, you know, because we had so much distance from Spectre, and by distance I mean what two years now. That wow. um, you guys, you guys, when didn't that like came it. out, you we liked it. loved it. We loved it. it. We loved it when it came out. But I also haven't really watched all of it in a while, so I'll be curious when we get back to it. It's like when, like when I think back to the best sandwich I ever had in my life. <laughs> I had hiked up Mount Washington as a Boy Scout, uh-huh. which is the highest uh, peak in the um, on the uh, on the. Teams? We got to hear this story on the <laughs> on the, uh, on the uh, Atlantic Seaboard on the Appalachians, uh, and you go up, and then at the when you reach the summit, it's not like a hike hike. It, well, it is trails. So I'm not climbing anything. I'm just walking up trails. But we got there, and the the uh, they made me a bologna. And cheese sandwich on white bread with mustard, mm-hmm. and that is the best sandwich yeah, I've ever had. I that <laughs> Only because really of what I endured yeah. previous to that sandwich. Sure. Yes. So the sense of like why Matt and I liked Spectre so much is we had starved for uh, a James yeah. Bond movie for a couple of years. That's true. That's valid, and yeah. then we had it. We're like, this movie was the best. Yeah. yeah. I love James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like now, if you put that sandwich in front of me, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that. Yeah. Fucking... Although I would take that sandwich right <laughs> sure. now. Sure. That sounds really good. <laughs> Let me show you guys a picture. There's a moment in this movie that if you were to show someone this picture, they would never in a million years say, this is a James Bond film. It is a close up of Graves getting his DNA replacement, but the silver mask with the white um, like fiber optics coming out of it. And in the background is a cloaked Zhao that looks like the Emperor. This looks like something out of Zardoz. Look at that. <laughs> that belongs nowhere in a James Bond movie. Zar- or Zhao's in the background in a cloak. It just looks like some bad sci-fi movie. Look for that when you watch it. That's right. It did. I think it subconsciously did make me think of Zardoz. Yeah. It's just, what, what, when they saw this, they didn't at any time go, what are we doing? What have we done here? Well, I mean, you know, I texted you. It's so awful. I texted you both the uh, image of Brosnan being uh, electrocuted. electrocuted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With the power suit. Yeah. What? So he's got, he controls the satellite. But he's also got it built into a uh, some kind of armature yes. that electrifies people when they come close to him. Yeah, right. naturally. Sure. Yeah. Which was first? <laughs> well, I mean, it was the, you know, when he says to the guy to ask the guy to finish it. That's right. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, you mean Vlad? Vlad. I like that guy. Do you though. think? I like that guy too. He's, his haircut the... is in keeping with Bond. Which you one's know, Vlad? He was like the scientist weird looking dude oh yeah like he just he appears in multiple I enjoyed Bond the comedic films. moment of him coming up and saying he beat your score i know yeah <laughs> it is nice. hey boss your time <laughs> it is think of the insanity the only that, successful that comedic moments we yeah. go from fucking we go from this this fuck this we go from this right this this graves strangling uh bond in an electric suit yeah to this 
I know. Too. Like it is crazy. It's nose bleeding. He's showing a that picture of, really of Craig in the bathroom the, at the opening of Casino Royale. That really says the the reason why for like all right, we're done with Brosnan. We're done with this era. Yeah. But what's interesting yeah. is it's not his fault. They, Pierce, I love you. It's not your fault, buddy. I feel like the performance is, to a certain degree, his fault. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the script is definitely like, you know, you can't get over it. But uh, but he, there is no joy coming from this performance no, at all. Nobody. Is nobody is here for love of the game. The essential. <laughs> he does not even I have. I feel like Roger Moore was in some terrible Bond moments, and he always seems to be having fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hmm. The thing getting back I'm to the really score, how here. I was saying, like, <laughs> really like if you took that score too seriously for this movie, it wouldn't work. That's a bit of what Brosnan's doing. He is really trying to play this in a gritty way that just... This movie, the lighting alone is the last... The least thing it is is gritty. <laughs> he desperately wanted... He wanted his Casino Royale. Yeah. He desperately wanted a, a down-to-earth James Bond movie. Roger Moore's the only one that got a reset in his run. The resets usually happen after the actor leaves. Mm. His goes from Moonraker to For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. That's interesting. The reset being we're going like, to take it more seriously? Yeah, back to Grounded. I do wonder what they would... What he would have done what that what that next what that fifth brosnan would have been mm. i think that is the that was the problem which i accept now in the grand span of bond, of bond films that that golden eye has a lot going for it mm-hmm. but i was i was i think i was hoping for a casino royale full-on ground bond again reset at golden eye yeah me too and i feel like he did not they, they did not do that he they got a reset just, they reset it a little bit. I, yeah. I think a lot. If you look at what was before it, if you look at um, if you look at License to Kill, I mean, they obviously have to snap back from that. Well, they, it's like they reset from dark to the best of what Bond does as a trope film. You know, like if you they look didn't at, go gritty, but they went to the best version of a fun Bond. It'd be film. interesting to look at who has the best first movie. You know, I mean, yeah, we know it's Daniel question. Craig. Yeah, like we get that, but like it's interesting because like. I love Live and Let Die. <laughs> it might be, because Honor, Majesty's Secret Service is a fucking perfect James Bond movie in its own way. And I think that Casino Royale is perfect in its own way. And I think GoldenEye is perfect in its own yeah. way. And I think that Dr. No, obviously, is perfect in its own way. It is interesting when you look at those. And Living Daylights, I like more than License to Kill. Yeah, me too. So I think And these, I love Live and Let Die, but I don't know if it's the perfect first Bond I think that's movie. the... That's I only found the out lowest yesterday of the and going through I didn't realize that that was the first Roger Moore film. Yeah. Oh, Live and Let Die, really? It I'm is a weird one to start with. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that he survived that By the way, that run, because Live right. and Let Die is crazy. Live yeah. and Let Die, yeah. which happens in early 70s Harlem, for yeah. part of the movie, is less dated than Die Another Day. <laughs> That's true. Or at least more timeless in some way, yeah. yeah. It is... I, I don't... How like, is that possible? I don't understand. Certainly, uh, uh, the characters in, uh, in Live and Let Die are, uh, are less dated than uh, a lot of, a lot yeah. of lines that uh, Halle Berry... Halle Berry, <laughs> I've said yeah. this before, and I've asked them to take away her Oscar for this movie, <laughs> uh, which she won while this movie was in production. Uh, oh, jeez. It is... And I... Uh, but, you know, it's... 
things that are recently dated are more glaring than themes that things that seem now like live and let die is basically a period piece at this point like it's it's it like is historical. for sure but matt but, we're almost 20 years out of this. i know but it's still it's a it's a period that we remember personally and so it's always going to be more jarring to us because we see the flaws in our own persons at that time you know but think about this film. It reminds me actually of watching Diamonds Are Forever. It like Jinx and Jill St. John both have kind of like an emptiness to their performances. Mm. It's it's jarring and weird and yeah. and like and I love watching Diamonds Are Forever. I don't know that I'll ever feel that about this, but I think someone in ten more years will go like, Oh, this is bonkers. I love it. About die another day? Yeah, because they will be ten it years, is certainly 10, bonkers. fifteen years younger. Well, this younger. is the interesting question. I don't, I don't know if they, uh, you know, age always always messes with everybody's memories and yeah. where, how old you were when you saw it. But I, f- I feel like that is the essential thing that is my perspective about this film. That is the problem is all the craziest of the Bond films. Um, it, until you get into the Dalton Brosnan era, have a certain joy and yeah. fun, and even it's like it's like the people making them were like, "What if we yeah. do this?" Because they were going to these locations <laughs> and partying. There are two yeah. ladies that are doing gymnastics and kick the hell out of him, <laughs> like you know. And in this, there's like it's all like, "Oh, just get to the next scene." Yeah, it's a machine at this. I will point. say though, in in regards to uh, Jinx, I think that they. Is do we have other female characters prior to that that uh, or female sort of sidekicks that are good? Yeah, that are as physically able as yeah. she is. Barbara Bob. So I feel like she's the one that's driving most of the action mm. in this film more than Brian. Yeah. Oh, they're setting her up. Barbara you know, Bach. You mean as a physical like fighter? No, I just mean like as a, com- a Bond oh. Oh. comp and, yeah. and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, yeah. yes, yes. I guess uh, that's true. And I think, it, you know, it's always like... But even Michelle Yeoh is physically capable, but isn't doing a lot of... It didn't feel like she was doing a lot as much... Esp- like, like, you know what? He, like Jinx is doing her own whole she is. spy plot. She here. is, because they that's are why she was trying to spin up setting up a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God it never happened. Oh, I'd love to see it. I would like to see it, too. Yeah. I'd I I mean, it'd be, no desire. it'd be miserable. Oh, but, you saying you would like to see it because it yeah. would be terrible. But I to, feel like you could have taken, as they take terrible Andy's, Marvel characters and make them good. I feel yeah. like you could have. To Andy's point, that is interesting to think about. You know how we have all these, you know, there's all these women that are spies that are counterparts to James Bond, and then they become love interests eventually to him. Yeah, they get we, neutered we, or fixed We or have never, and I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a counterpart to James Bond actually be his... Like partner throughout well, a movie. Well, I think that's what this is. I think they do pretty much maintain it. She no, kills no, no. Miranda. Fox. I mean, a male, like a male counterpart. Oh, oh. I, I know you didn't get that because I clearly didn't say the words. <laughs> okay. So, but you, but you sure correct. I don't know. I don't know. Like I had known. I don't know why you guys didn't uh, word in my uh, head at that point. That's a really interesting question because I feel like the problem is hmm. it kind of gets to something primal about what James Bond is, which is James Bond. The reason we enjoy him is he is the ultimate alpha, and you're yeah. suggesting, yeah. But like, I would love a second it. Second alpha, yeah. I would love it in the next one if they fucking gave Jeffrey Wright the full Felix Leiter of it all. Oh, I wish they'd give him a whole movie, and 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 they actually throughout the movie had to work together. Like that'd be yeah. interesting instead of like coming and going through the plot to like sort of like give James information. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to have a buddy cop, have James a Bond Felix Leiter. Be a jinx. You know, Jack Lord could have pulled it off 
Uh, except that they wrote him so that the second he sees him, he punches James Bond punches him in the stomach. That's right. And, like he's he's done. <laughs> you get a glimpse of it in the beginning of Goldeneye because they're two double O's on a mission together, yes. which you never see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that'd be an interesting shade of Bond huh. to see, yeah. but maybe it doesn't work because Bond is so individual. That's you know, true. He's so on his own. But speaking of male companionship, we probably talked about this last time too, but Zhao and Moon are clearly lovers, judging by that scene where they have a reuniting, right? like tender. Oh. Are they insinuating? I feel like I the director's trying to get to that. I feel they like just, that was implied. It was they a weird linger moment. tenderly with each other in, in a way that feels like they're stopping to telegraph that I in a way that also that. has plausible deniability because it's still 2002 and you can't get away with that in blockbuster cinema. <laughs> Is you that know? true in 2000? Well, probably on a, yeah, that you know, right. and then internationally. He, and I guess if, if they're villains, I always feel like you can get away with it. Like, oh, these, oh, right. These yeah. perverts. I know. <laughs> they, <laughs> twisted deviants. Of course they come up with a diabolical plan. Um, but that it also does highlight... To me, what I think is one of the most problematic things in the film, which is Zhao, I think, is a good, relatively good character. But Moon is all and like not just the fact that they I, and I thought I wondered if Face Off was before or after. It was like five years before. Right. And this is more silly than Face yeah, Off. No kidding, because at least that one's surgical. This one, they're transplanting DNA through the bone marrow. Yeah. But then also his... Not just his face, not just his accent. Are they playing, by the way, the when when you go into the hospital and you hear the English yeah, voice? Yeah, you're getting they're tutored. They're teaching him yeah, how to yeah. do the accent. Uh-huh. But his entire manner, 100%, is different, right. even when he's alone. Yeah, flawless accent. Yeah, and it's like sneering, and everything's just completely different. And what's beneath it is completely confusing, like in terms of his character. I don't... I don't... The graves of it all? Yeah. Like, he's I, doing I, it just... You know, all of it's unclear. It's all very, like... And he... he, he did sort he survive? Of, they try to justify it as, like, I know I only knew you for a short time, but... He was the model for that. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it seems like a weird thing to base your whole future <laughs> life on, even when you're alone. I know. It's... And also, Rosamund Pike, who I think is good... Yeah. Uh... Her character, she's following him and betraying. Yeah, but why is the she the Brits? Why? Because she likes to win. They throw in one line that we are. That we, she helped her win the also. Olymp- helped her win the Olympics. Also, isn't the like the throwaway, which makes no sense. The throwaway line here that M says to Madsen's character is that if you had disclosed that yeah. she was on the Harvard fencing team with Moon. Oh, right. uh, okay. What it, how does I, in my mind, sense? I was like, wait, was, I was with Graves? Graves yeah. was only around for a year. I'm yeah. like, very No, it's okay. with Moon, because right. he went and studied there. But also, like... He went to... Don't you think they he goes to Oxford and Harvard? Yeah, but so did uh, <laughs> Fraser. Accomplished academically. Fraser yeah. did that, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Niles went, went to Princeton and Cambridge. <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> um, the... Uh, I'm losing my train of thought on this Graves situation. This I is was, a Graves situation. There was a scene with J- Judy Dench where they're like, uh, "Oh, you already figured that out." Yeah, I wasn't. I was a little bit confused about what they were blaming oh, each other for. I'm in that sorry. Scene. I yeah. remembered what I think the they thing were was. Too. It was like, well, <laughs> don't you think MI6 would know who she was on the fencing right, team with? Right. 
There's a fucking yearbook. It's true. She's, you're telling me you're not pulling it. that? I know. And you do so agent. much. You do they so much of the deepest background you, history. You go through so much effort to find orphans. I, <laughs> like you go through so much effort to make sure there's no tangential collect, connection to any living person, uh, so that you can exploit these people to become blunt instruments for your your espionage. And here you are, not looking in a fucking Harvard. Well, they, yearbook. All their resources were going towards developing a <laughs> developing visible or- car. Which, by the way, okay, I'll, I understand the concept of tiny cameras projecting yeah. to the other side that doesn't explain the clear windows somehow go invisible like and all <laughs> you the can interior. project through a clear window through a clear window you can project you can project like you can have a see-through thing that is actually a screen i think it works like wait that. isn't the clear window part of the skin yeah i think so i'm talking about the actual windows of the car that you could see through they would be invisible on their own yeah so you're telling me the interior when he opens the door the interior is fully visible yeah, no, I think there's... The, I, I want to hear they, you defend this. I, I'm not going to defend it, but I think conceptually what they were going for this is that the light, inventing an invisible uh, car. <laughs> the light emitting polymer is coating the entire vehicle. But, and, but yet they have cameras saying, inside the, the glass? Tiny cameras have no, to be... No, 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 no. I think those cameras can just be on the door frame and still project based on whatever the fuck the lens is. Now I'm defending this... <laughs> Yeah, invisible car I and i hate what you've done to me <laughs> i'm sorry i apologize i should never are put you, anybody in are that you position. questioning that why it can be I, I think it works like a one-way mirror i think he was just lost on how but the that would be work. totally reflective not see-through because they're reflecting the opposite sides what the viewer would see yeah the camera is shooting on the other side of the car and projecting right. that on the opposite car mm-hmm. side of the car right but how would that work on the windows mm-hmm. Isn't it work the same way? But you can't have little cameras in the windows. Little cameras. <laughs> Why can't you have little cameras in the windows? Because you'd see through. You wouldn't see through the windows because the cameras wouldn't be. Can we just... Oh, you're envisioning them as almost nanobot tiny cameras. Well, yeah. I you see know it's like they have like whatever. Say, oh, okay. Say. 50, you know, play strategically right. placed cameras that cover the air. And that's, okay. yeah, that's what I thought too. Right. And it's like, you know uh, how, have yeah. you been in a um, car with, that has an overhead view when you're parking? No, how does it do that? So the, I have, I've te- when we were test driving cars, the XC90, we ended up getting the base model, but the fancy, fancy model, you, uh, when you hit reverse, it's got cameras up at the... Um, up towards the top of the car, a couple uh-huh. spotted cameras. And then what it does is when you hit reverse, what it does is it projects those and then puts what the car would look like. That's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So like when you're backing into a spot, you have like an overhead view of what you're doing. Oh, wow. Huh. Therefore, I think this would work. Okay. I don't yeah. think it would really work. <laughs> Justified. It's terrible. Justified. But this the movie's main, great. The Really... Even if you, I would also be curious if you did a rundown on. Have you done? Have you done a rundown on James Bond's weapons yet? No, no. Um, but if you did a rundown on weapons, I would be curious to hear a blow by blow of like, here's an awesome weapon. Did he use it in an awesome way? Because yeah. they have. All right, you got your invisible car. They never. Yeah. The the way that it finally pays off is that Zhao is. Is like, all right, I'm gonna ram you, yeah. and then as he's driving, it goes invisible, and he's like, what? "Oh no, what do I do? I have to keep my foot on the accelerator and die." <laughs> I should stop. It's like, what does it turning invisible have to do with? <laughs> also, I I love the fact that Bond 
doesn't use his fucking tire spikes traction ever other than to that. go up a wall like sure, to come yeah. down the wall he turns it off yeah when the car would just slide down like yeah Leave it on, buddy. It seems to be a pretty... Also, when he kills Zal, that thing of, like, he's driving all around, and Zal's already gone in the water, and then he I shoots like that. the yeah. chandelier. I like that. But even that is shot it so turns poorly. so red so, so fast. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even line the shot up well, so that when the chandelier falls, you can tell it's 10 feet in front of him. Yeah. You know, it, like, that was shot so poorly. The car chase on the ice is where, if you're going to buy into how stupid this movie is, I at least <laughs> enjoy that, because it's kind of well done, and this is where it deserves to be lit really well and all so many missiles and guns in these cars like it's like spy versus spy basically yeah. like yeah. the right. comics yeah. which should have yeah. been yeah. awesome and it also a lot of speed ramping in that is this yeah. the only time when it's bond facing another supercar because it feels like that should have been an, and that's like going back to the the double o facing a double o kind of thing yeah. that's what it should be like oh it's a guy who has all of bond's yes. skills and his and his is equipment and this is just like why does Zhao have all this shit and there's nothing satisfying done with it yeah uh that's correct i also like how like he puts the pulls his he opens the missile thing the grill and then the jaguar has like 12 more missiles than bond does they're like oh he's outgunned yeah (laughs) yeah and why it's also like why why does that why does the koreans they have access to all these why does the jaguar (laughs) panel have to blow away for the machine gun to come yeah. up like that's poor design but <laughs> there's a like a minigun on this thing yes that doesn't does that pop up or is that always it there? pops up out of the back oh, for that's when the sake. so the back panel okay. is a back panel that's silver that says jaguar on it these cars are basically from the cartoon mask absolutely yeah, yeah i totally I loved so Which i think that's probably why i enjoyed should, that i mean if you're gonna go that cartoony it should have been awesome why was it so Listen, it's fine. Just redundant. I, I like it. Like, I like yeah. it flipping over with the ejector seat. I love that overhead that shot cute. of it like twisting, that. and you see the the tire tracks all kind of weave together, yeah. like DNA thematically. Oh, oh, it's really, really taking care of the theme. theme. What's the theme of this film? What is Bond entering? Is it the hospital? Yeah, I think it's the clinic. Is it the clinic? What is he? Now I've forgotten the terrible scene where he disconnects the camera. Oh yeah, he's so easy. Just like, ha, ha, I, I get past this. Oh, oh. I'll just sneak behind the camera and, and pull. I it also laughed it chirp. super hard that it made a noise. Yeah, that I the know. camera. So I was useless. like, "Are you telling me?" Well, same with his little mini scanner on after they surf in in the beginning. That's the worst feature on the stealth thing is a noise. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't have to be crazy. There. I just mentioned the, but the then he joking finds the obvious button, and then he walks in, and it's all it's all DNA and mirrors. Oh yeah, mirrors. yes, yes. That it looked like Scaramanga's fun. <laughs> exactly, house. Yeah. 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 Over. Like, like, like leftover from Scaramanga. Um, I was joking about the theme of the DNA, but Phil Nobile wrote that uh, amazing article on Birth Movies Death about how Skyfall was it him that wrote that is the only really Bond movie with a real theme to it. Oh. And how great that was. And I'm trying to think if any other Bond movies really have much of a theme. I think Casino Royale has a loss theme and and Quantum has a revenge theme. And maybe On Her Majesty's Secret Service has kind of a, at least a love plot, but kind of the theme going yeah. on there too. And you do well to have some theme in your Bond movies. And <laughs> I think that's absolutely that right. So I make sure that I got Credit the right, right uh, writer. Yeah. And uh, does, tell people does where to find it. completely tin. 
Like if you were to ask the, the classic writer question, what is this about? Then you would have no answer for this. Um, oh boy. My notes are, are also sporadically. Has this one been done yet? I've tried to come up with something that no one would pick yet. Die a notes or day? Uh, you, you beat me. Notes another day. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, these are the these are my notes from October twentieth, two thousand thirteen, <laughs> when we watched it. Uh, yeah, I, I will really. Say this, I'll say this just with the first time we see uh, Michael. Not the first time we see him, but when we see him in his office, he has behind him an American flag. A cowboy gun, yeah. I know. an old timey yeah. football statue, yeah. and a statue of an eagle. Yeah. <laughs> like you might as well just put like Uncle Sam standing behind him and a picture of Captain America. It, it should. Out he should. No. He should. He should. M should video chat, and it should be Sam the Eagle, the Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, would it would have been the more no more appropriate time for Sam to say you are all morons. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, the, I want to talk about John Cleese as Q. Okay. I love John Cleese, uh, dearly, but yeah, there is something about this that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, what is it? Cause I, I buy him. I don't know. I just feel his introduction, I think is better than, than this, his solo foray. Lifeless, but I feel like that's in what they were given to do. Yeah. It's called Return to Skyfall, written by Phil on Birth Movie's death. Great article. Great article, Our Man in the East. We're lucky to have him. Phil, hang in there. We'll talk about this ranking you did. I can't disagree with your Diamonds or Die Another Day placement, though. I believe that was his worst ranked, right? No. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, and I understand why people think this is the worst film. Definitely. Oh. Even though, for me, it's not, but I definitely understand it. I can't believe it's not. What is in the, rank- what is in the running beside it? Tomorrow Never Dies. It's not, it's not good news for Brosnan. No. Because... I'm sorry, Matt. I've because never seen look so hurt. Yeah, boring is a bigger sin for me than bombastic You know, what, what's movie. weird, though, because, you know, I wasn't a diehard Remington Steel fan, but I really enjoyed it. He was so charming yeah. and fun in Remington Steel, which is why you would think he would make a good I Bond. Know. I know. And then he makes this adjustment when he's doing Bond of like, well, yeah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be different and it's like you're cutting yourself off from the thing that's best about yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's the same sort of like trope that happens when they're promoting Bond films. And inevitably the Bond girl will say to the press that mm. she's unlike any Bond girl yeah. we've ever seen before. She really holds her own against Bond. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's that sort of that sort of like uh intention is always there i think with the filmmakers to to make it different and i think the intention though from pierce brosnan's standpoint is always to make his bond more grounded Mm -hmm. like that's what he wants to do yeah Uh and so i think in every press interview similarly to the to the uh, actresses who've played bond girls over the years brosnan i think always was touting his uh wanting to more ground the character wanting more ground the character which is something i don't I can't think of other James Bond saying often, you know? Yeah, Dalton did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dalton was another. I think Dalton does a great fish. job doing what he does. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I like him. You um, like him. 
I, but, I think he had he had a certain amount of charisma, and at least he played the the stoicism. Yeah, he really suffers well, though, but from, yeah, from scripts. I think the Brosnan's, scripts were terrible. Yeah, Brosnan's biggest uh, foible, I think, is all the scripts yeah. being terrible. Is there something happening during this era that was particularly problematic behind the scenes that led to the bad scripts? Or yes, was it- Cubby Broccoli died. Oh, but that doesn't explain Goldeneye, and then the. The Cubby Broccoli was alive. Yeah, but he was wasn't he hands off at that point? Yeah, a little bit. I, but could I think be wrong. he still they still slipped him a script probably. Yeah. Casino Royale is the enigma. It really is the enigma. Why it's good? Well, it's just it's the it's the um oh, deviation from the mean. Tell who's writing what. Yeah. We still don't know that about Purvis and Wade, because they solely are responsible for this thing. But that's what I'm wondering, like how much of it is everybody's just like, oh, the natural progression is to go crazy. And so they can obviously tone it down when doing Casino Royale, but what is theirs? What is theirs on Skyfall? Yeah. I'm dying to know. I I I would love I would love some insider information. Yeah, but these camps seem to be it's, very closed. It's very yeah. frustrating. It's the thing that we struggle with on next conversation, or I struggle with on next conversation. I think Matt just skims along happily. Uh, <laughs> I love Star Trek. I'll watch it all the time. I love it the way Matt and I love uh, Bond. When we see these terrible episodes and there's a debate of Maurice Hurley being in charge, or was it the writer's strike, or was it when was Roddenberry involved or not involved? And it's very frustrating to me knowing how complicated it gets on a television yeah. show. And, and even when you're in it, going like, I didn't want us to do that. All right. Um, just like, who's responsible for stuff being good or bad? I know. It takes a lot of moving parts. I wonder how much of this movie was done by committee, because it does seem like the strongest Bond films are the ones where you have something closer to an auteur. But you don't really get those in Bond movies. I don't know. Maybe that statement... I retract that. But even right from the opening of Casino Royale, it's just such a throwing down the gauntlet yeah. of this is what it this is what this tone is gonna be. Yeah. What is uh spot like the Michael so G. Sure Wilson? Him. What is Michael I, G. Wilson? Yeah, I couldn't cameo? remember. I don't know, because I thought about that halfway through and didn't see As that. I was watching the um, I'll look it up. The fencing scene, I thought he might have been the guy that got the newspaper cut in half. But then I thought, no. And I didn't I didn't rewind it to check, but I was really um, wondering what his cameo was. Let me look it up. One uh, odd detail is um, Moon, uh, when he's talking to his father, he's quoting uh, Art, Art of War. Of War. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, then he stabs And it, then she has the book on a on some kind of a music stand. <laughs> yeah. So that she yes. can stab him with it. In an airplane. Stab, they needed a music yeah, stand in, a, in an airplane. <laughs> well, that's even more... <laughs> And, uh, All right. and then she kills her. And going back to the is uh, the Halle Berry character uh, more of a dated character than the characters in Live and Let Die? It says, "Read this, bitch." Yeah. Also says <laughs> Art of War. Also what says Yo Mama. That's oh, right. God, yeah. yeah. For the first time since his cameo career began in 1964's Goldfinger, <clears throat> Wilson is formally credited for his bit part in Die Another Day. The Bond producer plays General Chandler of the American Air Force in M's Situation Room. Oh, Although he right. offers no lines, Chandler's breast is weighed heavily with medals, awards, and apparel. That's right. He is in that scene. I think we talked about that last time, but I've completely forgotten. Um, 
Andy, what were you just saying? I'm sorry. Uh, you were just talking about, about um, Jinx's read this. Bitch, oh, the yes. So to that point, she does say yo mama. But in the scene, she says yo mama while they're in a room full of robotic lasers. Now, this, of course, Not is a nod to oh, this is a nod God. to Goldeneye. I mean, Goldfinger, rather. Oh. Um, and is it it's a nod? A, it just oh, seems like uh, a haphazard 100%. use. hundred yeah. percent. But here's my question. It seems that just by hitting one or two buttons on the remote control, <laughs> you then get into a mode where the lasers are on and moving around at random. What mode is that? What yeah. fucking mode is that? <laughs> <laughs> Why uh, are the deadly lasers programmed to go That's plot device haywire? This button that says MacGuffin mode. (laughs) (laughs) Ratchet up the action mode. She she does say, oh, mama, it's very uncomfortable. Maybe it's rave. Maybe it's a rave mode. I have no gloft for this movie. That's a Gourley's lookout for this, except for to say my lookout for this is literally look out for this movie. Like, like, beware, beware. Know what you're getting into. My last note on this thing is, Jesus Christ. Uh, And that's that's an appropriate note. Um... Um, Anything else we missed? Uh, I'm. I mean, just I'm, the whole ending. The whole ending sequence has a series of of lines. It almost felt like they kept coming up. Is oh, this the last line? No, that no. doesn't work. Like, like yes, they're. I think I broke her heart. I told you I was a jinx. I should have told you relationships don't last either. Let's uh, we go down on each either. other. You it's said, like, didn't you say we go down together? Yeah. Now what you said something about us going down together. See, it's a perfect fit. So they have all that misdirect, and she has the diamonds on yeah. her. And it's all oh, that. That's like it from an episode fit. of Leave Three's It In. Company. Just a few more minutes, and it's like I want Mister Roper outside going whoa. <laughs> it's and I know Bond films do all these things. Do no. they go that? It's no. just. I think they coming off of Christmas only comes once a year. Yeah, where do you go from in, there? In the world is not enough. The last line of that movie, I think they were like, "Well, we we we've got to beat that." <laughs> See, still not quite sure how good you are. So good, especially when you're bad. And the thing that oh. bothers me the most is no line of dialogue works as a double or single entendre. Nor does it have yes, any connection to right. prior That's line. That's exactly right. It doesn't work either way. So it goes it's, back to our theory that they're, they're just attractive <laughs> people saying nonsense. To or there's they're still continuing a spy code language <laughs> right, exactly. up to the point of sex. Yes. Like that's that's the form of consent is sexual harassment is so bad in the spy game that they have a like two day code breakdown that they have to have for consent for sexual relations. And if anyone Yeah, if any one phrase is incorrect, yes. like for instance, if you were to say uh say a line Jake said. Um the the uh the predators come out at night. I don't remember if that was hers or not. <laughs> and I, I would say the the that's cause the prey like water. Now because I said like water instead of come out to drink, right. we couldn't fuck. Right. That's right. What? Yeah. Oh, but you, that is right, a third go. that's third base. That's what that is. So <laughs> there's a difference for I will give branches. you a handy and that is it. <laughs> uh speaking of handies, uh let's get the fuck out of this movie. All right, let's rate it. Let's let's Andy, I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but no, we like to give things a rating on this. Ooh, how many Andes are we getting? Well, instead of Andes, like oh, we do on Star Trek understand. The Next Conversation, we rate this on a scale of 000, zero to 007. Oh, I see. So a, a great movie would be a 007 and a terrible movie. We have yet to pull it out, but the 
Oh, just double entendre. Uh, but the zero 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 would be the lowest. I didn't do that for, for Tomorrow Never Dies? You didn't do a zero zero zero, I didn't, did you? I don't remember. What did you do? I don't know. I'm trying to remember Have so we I can used? go one notch up from that. <laughs> well, What are your double of sevens? We, we haven't, haven't hit one yet. I don't think so, no. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Goldfinger. Goldfinger would be the only really? one I would say. I don't think so. Did we seven? Well, we need someone again, to make Again, someone a chart. is probably making a chart, yeah. as they do for us on Star Trek The Next Conversation. The lo- lovely people that do. Oh, and thank you, by the way. Some people sent in some stuff to Earwolf for us. Uh, comic strips, Condor Man, a nice drawing of the theme park. Uh, thank you very much. That's all, always very kind. Condor Man is going to be insane, I think. Oh, are you guys going to do Condor Man? I don't know. I don't know. I remember being excited about seeing it when I was a kid. My parents didn't take it. Take me to it. But uh, now that Matt's schedule's opened up a little bit, we're going to actually start getting to some of these offshoot movies, uh, hopefully starting with Casino Royale and Maurice LaMarche, maybe two next week, possibly. Uh, Maurice, you're probably listening, so... And he's coming to the live show, so yeah. we'll do a little shout out there and talk about it. Um, the, we're speaking of that. Oh yeah, there's 16 tickets available as of yesterday, still to the UCB show we're doing. That, UCB that's Sunset on at this point, then almost. <laughs> See if you can get optimistic. on there and get them. I don't uh, know. I mean, that's that's yeah. uh, we're almost sold out there. Thursday night uh, this week, uh, if you're in LA and you want to come see us, please do. We're at the UCB Sunset. Uh, it's the uh, Stitcher Premium presents James Bonding, and uh, there is a limited series of posters signed by us available December twelfth. I think I said December second last time. I apologize. They'll be on yeah. Podswag.com/slash twelve days. You can also go to slash bond. Mm-hmm. What night is your show? Thursday? No, oh, Thursday. December 7th? I'm performing a show tomorrow there, but it won't, um, it won't be released. No. But mm. I do perform I perform every first Saturday of the month with The Swarm at 9 on uh, at UCB Sunset. And, yeah. Uh, That's every, an all-star lineup, too. Uh, that I think you're thinking of soundtrack, unless you count. <laughs> no, because Swarm isn't Andy Daly and Sean oh, yes, Conroy Andy and is, yes. Andy Secunda. See, that's an old schooler talking there. Yeah. Calling that an old sc- uh, an all star lineup. That, that is. That. Those are all great improvisers. Oh, they're all great. And Andy. Yeah. And we have we have a yes we have a um a a self deprecating perspective on ourselves as being outdated. Um, but yes, they're all great. If you want to see what comedy was like in the nineties <laughs> or two thousand two, you want to see the die another day of improv comedy. Go check <laughs> no, out. no, don't promote it like that. Also, Your soundtrack uh, on Fridays at UCB Franklin at nine thirty. If you enjoy Andy's theories, check out Star Trek: The Next Conversation. Right. Available wherever podcasts are listened. All right, let's rate this thing. I guess do we go guess first or uh, sure, Andy? What do you rate it? Okay, you want me to go first? I'm happy to go first. Yeah, go first. This movie for me gets a double O one. Same with me. Yeah, yeah. See, I would give it a double O zero. Except I'm trying to think. I feel like you got to. You, my instinct is you're giving it a one because there's something redeemable in it. No, it just watchability is the thing that matters more for me. Because even as bad as it is, I, I still marvel at it, and my eyes are at times drawn to it. <laughs> Interesting. Double O one. See, I would say the watching would make me knock it down to a zero. <laughs> I understand. If you were saying too. that, was, well, there was this good. Judy, Judy Dench is still good in it. And you yeah. look at it evaluatively. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I give it a one too. 
Okay, that's a solid one all This around. is the worst rated movie so far. And possibly ever. And now I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well. So next uh, two weeks from now, it's my choice. Now. And I think it's no surprise what's coming. Because it's a Christmas movie. It's the closest a Bond movie gets <laughs> to a Christmas movie. And it's, a, it's an exciting is time. Is that the one with Denise Richards? No, although no. that just has a crif- Christmas <laughs> name. name is Christmas <laughs> is in We're going to do On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Whoa. Does it happen at Christmas? Why yeah, is that? It sure it does. Christmas. Yeah, it oh, does. Interesting. It even has a song in it called Where Do Christmas Trees Come From? <laughs> really? Yeah. I have no memory. All right, George Lazenby, you're going to be watched okay. next week. Yeah. Can I plug my Instagram? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure, buddy. my Instagram. <laughs> you need to give me Andrew up. Secunda. It's my full name. All right. Andrew Secunda. S-E-C-U-N-D-A. That's correct. There we go. Secunda Down Under is also a show he does on the Las Vegas Strip. You don't call it Secunda Down Under? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I say I say that when I go. Can you it please go to Australia? Can you go to Australia and just use that hashtag for all your vacation photos? <laughs> on the <day> on <laughs> oh, please, you got it. You got it. Oh, we all have to buy him a trip to Australia just to see that hashtag come out. <laughs> why I came here. Well, uh, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for, thanks for yeah. swinging through. Well, he'll be back I've again. Enjoy I'm sure. the podcast yeah. very much. Thank you. Oh, definitely bring me back for Indy. You got oh, it. Yeah. Indiana Jonesing. It's right. happening. I don't know when, but soon. James Bonding will return. Oh, yeah. The wait is over. Womp It Up is back. Back, bitches. Every Tuesday, new episodes of Womp It Up are delivered hot and fresh to your inbox. Just like a DiGiorno pizza. Going straight up your butt. Featuring all of your comedy faves, returning faves, and new faves alike. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Womp It Up. Hashtag turn around. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, 
a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.